Let us pray. O beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain, America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. O Lord, wherever the Church of Jesus Christ exists, you have shed your grace. Shed now your grace upon us as we seriously consider the gospel of Jesus. Empower us through your Holy Spirit to actively listen and critically think that we might grow in our capacity to radically love as Jesus has loved us. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to take a moment and just wish America a happy 246th birthday. 246. Wow. You know, it's always been easy for me to remember how old our nation is because I'm a bicentennial baby. Did you know that? I haven't aged a bit, have I? All I have to do is add 200 to my age, and that's how old we are as a nation. As I prayed about today's sermon, the Holy Spirit said that, that today was the perfect occasion to launch the first sermon in a series entitled The American Church. The American Church. Now, the American church is any congregation or any faith tradition of people in the United States of America who profess Jesus as Lord. Examples include, but are not limited to, the United Methodist Church, the Lutherans, the Episcopalians, the Baptists, Southern Baptists and Free Will, and all the other ones, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Roman Catholics, non-denominationals, which, by the way, is a denomination, but don't tell them I said that. Bottom line, all the people who believe in Jesus and live in our nation comprise the American church. Now, before I further explain this series, I want to make sure that you understand what this series is not. This series is not about my political opinion or party affiliation. It is ethically imperative for me as a pastor to be a political. I am neither red nor blue. I'm wonderfully purple. Because I'm blessed to serve beautiful people who vote Democrat and Republican, not to mention numerous third parties. Now, what this often means for me is that people make assumptions about my character and voting preferences and then judge me accordingly, even though I never say what party I may or may not support. Now, that's not any of my business, and you can talk about me however you like. But I want you to know that my business is Jesus Christ and expanding his kingdom. And that means I have to be apolitical. Also, this series is not about America being a Christian nation. Our nation is a constitutional democratic republic. Hear that again. 
Our nation is a constitutional democratic republic. Our nation is not a theocracy, not like Israel. It's not a theocracy. Therefore, we are not a Christian nation. Now, are many principles of the Judeo-Christian worldview present in our founding documents? Absolutely. But that does not make us a Christian nation. Do many Americans consider themselves to be Christian? Yes. We are a, a, a nation of many Christians. But it would be incorrect to call the United States of America a Christian nation. So let's avoid the trappings of Christian nationalism and press on to the purpose of the series, which is this. The threefold purpose of this series is number one, to identify how we, as the American church, are negatively contributing to the spiritual and emotional health of our nation. And I know that's not easy to hear, so hear it again. We're going to consider how we as the American church are negatively contributing to the spiritual and emotional health of our nation. Second, we're going to repent of behaviors that harm both within our congregations and the communities in which we serve. And the third purpose of the series is this, to offer the healing love of, uh, of Jesus that our nation so desperately needs. But Jesus only gave one commandment, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, friends, the United States of America may not be a theocracy or a Christian nation, but according to Pew Research, 63% of Americans still consider themselves to be Christian. Y'all, I may just be a good old boy from southern Appalachia, but 63% sounds like a simple majority to me. So why, if we are the simple majority... Why has the atmosphere of America become increasingly hateful and violent? Especially when 63% of us say we follow Jesus. Our nation is divided. But division is nothing new in our nation's history. Right? The United States of America was only 25 year, years old when uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote these words. The greatest good we can do our country is to heal its party divisions and make them one people. We were only 25 years old and he said that. Our nation has known many divisions over its nearly 250 year history. But what is dividing us now is fear and anger and pride and selfishness, and decadence, and a loss of purpose. The result is that people are more interested in being right than doing the right thing. And this is where the current climate of our nation intersects well with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the parable of the Good Samaritan illustrates the difference between being right and doing the right thing. The parable centers around a religion scholar's self-justifying question. Jesus, what must someone do that I must love them as neighbor? The scholar was looking for a loophole. In today's terms, we might call him a lawyer. Lawyers are good at finding loopholes. 
I know my dad is one. The scholar was looking for a loophole so that he could continue living a a me-centered life. And I'm right, others are wrong life. That way he didn't have to do the right thing, which was to love others, even if he disagreed with them, right? So Jesus offers the parable of the Good Samaritan to shift the scholar's paradigm and ours from a me-centered living into an others-centered living with Jesus. So in reply to this, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, when a text says he was ever going down from Jerusalem, that's because Jerusalem sits 2,500 feet above sea level. So all the roads lead up to it and all the roads lead down from it. And wilderness roads were fraught with danger. So it would have been common knowledge to Jesus' audience that such an event might take place on the road down from Jerusalem. So Jesus, having set the scene for this parable, continues, A priest was happening by. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Can you imagine? Here comes the man or woman of God. Here comes, the, here comes Pastor Randy. Walking down the street. Certainly he's going to help this fellow. Right? Wrong. This priest sees this man off in the distance. He doesn't rush to help. He, he promptly moves to the other side of the road and he keeps on walking. Why? Because the badly injured man was unclean. The Bible says very clearly in the Old Testament, which, by the way, is the only Bible they had at the time, that touching bodily fluids makes a person unclean. So if the priest were to offer help, he would be unclean, and he would have to go through the ritual process of once again becoming clean, at least according to the Scriptures. You see, the priest was more interested in being right than doing the right thing, so he kept walking. And Jesus continues. So to a Levite, when he came down to the place and he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, friends, a Levite might be likened to um, a church trustee or um, uh, somebody that sits on the church council. Certainly, this person might stop and help their neighbor. But no, he, too, was more interested in being right than doing the right thing. After all, what would the church people think? If they saw him touching someone, the Bible said, is unclean. Can you imagine the gossip after church at lunch? He touched what? He did what? So the Levite walked to the other side of the road and he kept on walking. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan traveling the road came on him when he saw the man's condition. His heart went out to him. His heart. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. He lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my tab. I'll pay you back on my way back. Now, you should know that the Samaritan is an unlikely hero in this story. Because Samaritans were despised by the Jewish community. Because the Jewish community considered Samaritans to be half-breeds. 
They hated Samaritans. They hated Samaritans so much that they would often take the long way around the Samaritan settlement just to avoid having to spend any time with Samaritans, which is why when Jesus went into Samaria and talked to the woman at the well, it was such a big deal. None of these cultural biases, however, stop the Samaritan from doing the right thing. He seized the opportunity to be of service and he offered immediate action and that was risky, but he did it anyways. He placed the man on his own donkey. He took him someplace safe to better care for him. And notice that the the Samaritan didn't simply help. He sacrificed his own comfort. He sacrificed his own wealth for the sake of a stranger. The priest and the Levite were both literally neighbors to the injured man. But the Samaritan, the half-breed, no account, unholy enemy of the Jews everywhere, he was the one that was a neighbor. Not the pastor, not the churchgoer. It was the Samaritan. Because the Samaritan was less interested in being right and more interested in doing the right thing. What America needs is for the American church to stop being right and start doing the right thing. We are failing to love as Jesus loves, and it is having a disastrous effect upon our nation. The American church is known less by our love and more by our judgment. If not us, who? You think people that don't know Jesus? are interested in loving one another right now? Especially if the people who do know Jesus aren't interested in loving one another right now? The American church is presently more like the priest and the Levite rather than the Samaritan. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be. We can choose to behave differently. And listen, if you're not listening, tune back in. Or if you're sitting there and you've been mad at me for the last 15 minutes... Forgive me and just tune back in for a minute. America needs us to behave differently. America needs us to behave differently. Because right now, the behavior of the American church looks exactly like the nation in which we are living. America does not need more hateful behavior from us. America has plenty of hateful behavior going on within our nation already. What America needs is more Christ-like Christians. What America needs is more Christ-like Christians. Now on the screen, you probably can't see, these are the words of Jordan Harrell. I don't know who Jordan Harrell is, but I saw this picture on Facebook, and for Pete's sake, every now and then something good comes across Facebook, so I thought I'd share it with you. Jordan writes, genocide is biblical. Loving your enemy is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Slavery is biblical. Chain-breaking is biblical. 
but only one is Christ-like. Patriarchy is biblical. Countercultural elevation of women is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Retributive violence is biblical. Grace-filled restoration is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Segregation is biblical. Unity is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Christ transforms, not the Bible. Be wary of those who know one, but not the other. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I consider myself a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a citizen of his kingdom first, and an American citizen second. I love my country dearly. I consider myself a patriot. My heart is breaking. And we are two years away from our next presidential election. That's why the series is happening now and not two years from now. Because if I preach to two years from now, I might get tomatoes thrown at me. But between elections, I can say some of these things and no one will think I'm siding with one party or the other. Because I'm not. I consider it my patriotic duty now to focus my kingdom energy on being Christ-like. Because if the church ain't doing it, ain't nobody doing it. Because what America needs right now is more Christ-like Christians. And if I will love like the Good Samaritan, if I will set aside all of the things that I think I'm right about, because when I think I'm right about something, I argue like I'm right about something, I fight like I'm right about, some, I'm right about something, and I fight to win. And then I lose the love. So if I can love like the Good Samaritan, and you can love like the Good Samaritan, then maybe, just maybe, maybe we can heal the broken heart of our nation and bring it back together. Because Jesus has shed His grace on America through the American church. And now more than ever, now more than ever, America needs the church to be Jesus I began with a prayer, with the first verse of, oh beautiful, for spacious skies. I end now with the final part of the hymn. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control. By liberty and love. Go and love like Jesus. Because ain't no one else going to do it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.